When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host. Here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard, I'm wearing maroon today. hope you are as well. It is game day weekend and a big weekend it should be. A lot of people headed to town. Still some tickets available, and uh, I want to spend a little time talking about that. And I've, I've mentioned this on the show before. I continue to see people that go into the Mississippi State Facebook groups and say, hey, does anybody have tickets? Guys, you can buy tickets from the Mississippi State Ticket Office at face value. That should always be your first call. You know, that, that's their function. That's really all they do is handle tickets. Call the Mississippi State Ticket Office. Still some lower-level tickets available for this weekend's game against Kentucky. So rather than going to the third-party market and overpaying for tickets, you can go there and you can buy tickets for you and your family at face value. I also want to say, too, there is an initiative that, that began on jeanspage.com. Uh, widespread GT and those guys, uh, longtime posters on Jeans Page, reached out to the university. There is this initiative that we have been a part of, and I have partaken in this. If you were looking to maybe do something great for young people in Starkville, and I mean young people, not not recruits, Okay, young people, you can go to the Mississippi State Ticket Office website and put in promo code KIDS GROUP. That's K I D S GROUP, KIDS GROUP, and buy tickets for 10 bucks and donate them. There is a, um, a procedure you need to follow. Pick the print at home option, and then you email those tickets. Email them to this trusty website here, and they will make sure those tickets get in the hands of uh, young people who perhaps would not be able to make a Mississippi State football game. So go to the Mississippi State ticket website. Put in promo code KIDSGROUP. That's very important because if not, you're going to pay fees and you're going to pay regular value. Put in KIDSGROUP and then select the print at home option and then email the PDF file to the, that's T-H-E, endzone11msu at gmail.com. That's the endzone11msu at gmail.com. And then we'll print them out and get them distributed. How about that? So if you or somebody says, you know what, I can't make the game, but I'd like for some young people in Starkville that perhaps have never attended a Mississippi State game to be able to go, you can do that. And it's basically, uh, you know, giving money to the university. And so, so far, this initiative, and by the time you hear this show, it'll be more, has raised $3,100, and there have been 310 tickets purchased. That's pretty cool. And uh, I want, want to commend those guys for kind of putting this thing together. I was happy to participate in that. You guys should be as well. So, again, go to the ticket office, promo code KIDSGROUP, to get those tickets for $10, and then email those printed home tickets to the end zone 11 msu at gmail.com that's a really really cool thing 
And I appreciate those guys kind of reaching out and figuring out, hey, what can we do? It helps Mississippi State. It helps young people in our area. Makes you feel good about yourself. I was happy to do it. Hope that you guys will do as well. Now, here's the deal, too. Last night, former Mississippi State running back Colin Hill suffered a season-ending injury, bringing a kickoff out against the Arizona Cardinals. A lot of people say, well, he shouldn't have brought the kickoff. He did. He did. And maybe it was predetermined. It's like, hey, here's the deal. We get a chance to bring it out. Let's go try to make something happen. Colin tackled pretty violently. The tackler himself knocked unconscious on the play. And then Colin Hill suffers a season-ending knee injury. Not sure exactly the details of the injury, but uh, you certainly hate to see that, especially for one of our former Bulldogs. And I know that Colin Hill, in many respects, is a uh, a polarizing figure within our fan base. But uh, you never like to see anybody get injured, especially one of our own. So, uh, speedy recovery to Colin Hill, and, and congratulations to the Green Bay Packers on winning a, a very important ball game uh, last night. We've had some really good Monday night and Thursday night NFL games. I know many of you are not really you know, kind of keeping up with the NFL for one reason or another. I keep up with uh, the Steelers, and then kind of outside of that, I don't really care. Like, once the Steelers are eliminated, then pro football season is really over for me. You know, I may go to your Super Bowl party and hang out and eat your free food, but I don't really have a vested interest in the outcome unless the Pittsburgh Steelers are playing. But um, NFL, still quality football being played. Uh, took in the Titans game this past weekend against the Chiefs. And uh, really cool to be able to go see our guys play. I mentioned that on Monday show. But it's nice to be able to see those guys, uh, you know, kind of chasing a dream and being able to provide for their families. And, and it's a dream that came true, thanks in large part, to playing at Mississippi State University. And so whenever we get a chance to support those guys, we certainly – uh, you don't want to do that. Speaking of supporting locals, Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants, man. I, I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too if you don't already. It's a love affair that is very rewarding. They're very faithful. They always do what they say they're going to do. That's the best thing about it. You can go in there and you pay your hard-earned money and you get more than you pay for. A lot of people out there cutting back on portions and kind of, you know, changing ingredients. You see those little signs everywhere. Not at Bulldog Burger Company. You're still getting that great Bulldog Burger Company experience. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. And then the brand new one, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridgewood Flowood area. Go check them out today. Have the spring rolls as your appetizer. They will make you and everybody around you better looking. And we all need more of that. Even as beautiful as I am, I, I still get the spring rolls. It takes a lot of work to maintain this level of beauty. Pick out your own favorites. I, I'm still big on the pimentology ad bacon, but sometimes maybe I'm not in the mood for a burger. And you'd say, well, Steve, why go, to, why go to Bulldog Burger Company if you don't want a burger? Well, it's because the menu is so expensive. You can get the sweet heat chicken sandwich. You can get that BLT salad. Whatever you get, you're going to get your money's worth and be glad you had it. Go do it today. It's a great place to eat. It's a great place to work. So if you know somebody that perhaps looking for a job, have them hit them up. That's with the eatwithus.com website, and you can apply online. Also, before we move on from Bulldog Burger Company, all of you, I would submit, know a college student at Mississippi State or even at ICC or somewhere like that that deserves a night out. You can get gift certificates to give us Christmas gifts or perhaps just because you love somebody. Say, you know what, I was thinking about you. 
I got you a $100 gift certificate to Bulldog Burger Company. Go have a date on me. And many of you remember what it was like to be in college, and you know, you're, you're as broke as the Ten Commandments, and you'd love for somebody to send you a little money so you can go out and go do something with your friends. That's a good option for you. Go to the eatwithus.com website. You can check it out today. You can get one that not just for Bulldog Burger Company, but for the entire family of restaurants. Again, that's eatwithus.com. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, kind of a thin schedule in the SEC this week. But we're going to go through that today. We're going to talk about the SEC schedule, kind of look ahead at some of these games. It has been a wild year. It always is, right? You, you never know from one week to the next what's going to happen. But, man, we got four games this week involving SEC teams, all of them head-to-head matchups within league play. Very, very interesting. Some of these matchups are going to determine a lot, and not just us. You know, let's start with uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt. There is no Jefferson Pilot game this week in the league. And it seems like Arkansas has been off like 10 times this year. But Arkansas, of course, off this week. And, um, you know, we'll get them next week. Kentucky had an open date last week. We get them this week. So, we're, you know, we're playing teams fr- fresh off by weeks. Interesting how that works. But um, be that as it may, let's take a look. Missouri at Vanderbilt, you know, listen, that's going to be a game I suspect will be somewhat similar to that last week in the respect that I don't think the Vanderbilt defense can stop Missouri. I do think Vanderbilt will be able to score a little bit. Not exactly sure what the quarterback situation looks like uh, for Vanderbilt. But they're pretty pedestrian, you know, on offense, as you guys know. So Missouri should win this game. But let's take a closer look at Missouri. Yeah, I began to th- start thinking about, okay, who's going to make bowl games? Who's not going to make bowl games? At this point, I think we all per- pretty safe in saying that Vanderbilt, South Carolina, not going to make bowl games. Look at the Missouri schedule. They are 3-4, and four, but 0-3 oh in the league. They should pick up a win this weekend, which would make them 4-4. Four and four. And then you look at what's left. It's going to be tough to get to six wins. It's going to be really, really difficult to get to six wins. Next week, Missouri plays at number one, Georgia. That's a loss. South Carolina comes in the next week at Mizzou. Mizzou can score. South Carolina really can't. They got a lot of quarterback issues there. Let's give Mizzou the nod there, right? And now all of a sudden, you look at this thing. It's okay. Okay, we're we're five and five. So what's left? What's left? Florida at Mizzou, and that could be a difficult one, Dan. It really could. That could be a difficult one because I think Missouri's going to be able to score. Florida just doesn't have any dudes on defense. And that's been that way really since Dan's been there. I mean, they just ha- they don't have dudes on defense. They've tried to address it. They've gone out and worked in junior college uh, market, worked the transfer portal. But if Florida finds a way to win that game, and I think they will because Mizzou's defense is so bad, I think it could be closer than uh, Florida fans want it to be. Now, all of a sudden, Florida wins, and Mizzou is 5-6 and six with a game to play at Arkansas. And so that's, that, that becomes a very dicey ball game. You know, what can Arkansas do? Arkansas should be able to run the football, you know, with impunity <laughs> against Mizzou. So you kind of see they're up against it. It's not much margin of error for error at all for, for Mizzou. They could be 6-6. Six and six. More than likely, I'll say they're 5-7. and seven. Very difficult stretch for them down the stretch because they're going to be playing against teams, all four of those teams, 
battling for a bowl game. I don't think South Carolina makes it. You know, I think that's a game that I think Shane Beamer's probably looked at and said, hey, we have to win this game in order to keep the dream alive. But, you know, South Carolina staring four and eight right in the face. So Mizzou, you know, could be five and seven with a break, perhaps six and six. So we start looking, start thinking about Mississippi State's bowl possibilities and where we could end up. And then you look at the fact at the bottom half of this league, which is kind of where we are, to be quite honest. And a lot of teams out there that are jockeying for position kind of in the same uh, situation that we are. And I'll be honest with you, Missouri's disappointed me this year. Who knew their defense would be so bad? Expected them to take a little bit of a step back. They are one of the worst defenses in the entire Power Five. Now, Vanderbilt already 2-6. and six. They had to win out to be bowl eligible. Let me. Here's a newsflash for you. They're not going to. And here is what Vanderbilt has left on the schedule. Again, they host Mizzou this weekend. Then they host Kentucky, who I suspect will be coming off a loss. Of course, Vanderbilt gets the bye week next week. It gives them two weeks to prepare for Kentucky. Then Vanderbilt goes to Ole Miss. Then Vanderbilt goes to Tennessee. There, there, there's not a win there at all. You don't look at Indios and say, okay, well, where do you pick up a win? Maybe their best chance is this weekend. I just don't think it happens. And so expect Vanderbilt to lose out. And I think a lot of people thought, well, maybe they were making some strides and that they beat a winless UConn team. They got blasted by Florida, but they should have beat South Carolina on the road. And you think, hey, maybe they're getting better. They're looking at 2-10 and and another winless year in the SEC. Simple as that. Simple as that. Vanderbilt, another bad year. Yeah, and, and Clark Lee, you know, kind of knew what he was getting involved with. He knew the price of poker when he took that job. Former defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. The guy knows defense. But, you know, here's the thing. I don't care how well prepared you are. I don't care how properly motivated you are. If you don't have players, you don't have anything. It's as simple as that. If you don't have players, you're going to get beat week in and week out. There's only so much you can do schematically. You know, I can go out there and put, you know, a a perfect game plan together to beat Georgia. But if I go pull 11 kids out of the student section and get ready to go play, I'm going to look like a bad coach because we're going to get killed. You got to have people that can play. And then one of the things you hear a lot is, we know, they got 85 scholarship players too. Yeah, but theirs are better. Theirs are better. And Vanderbilt, I mean, just kind of depleted of talent. I mean, you know, there's a couple guys out there. You know, Will Shepard's a guy that can play a little bit. Uh, Jalen Mahoney's a guy that can play some. You know, Rocco Griffin's a guy that probably couldn't start anywhere else in the league, but he's the best they have at Vanderbilt. So that, that'll that be kind of a snoozer of a game, and that's going to be going on around the same time as that Georgia-Florida game is. Now, that's the game of the week. I think we all realize that. I picked Georgia to win the SEC and make the playoff beginning of the year. Still feeling really good about that pick. Thought Florida would take a little bit of a step back. And I think they actually are worse than uh, than I suspected they would be. But let's look at Georgia. You know, Georgia, you know, you begin to ask yourself, okay, what what's in, in the way? You know, I really thought they would lose that opening game at Clemson and then win out. Well, they win that game at Clemson, and who knew Clemson was going to be what they what they are. But Georgia didn't score an offensive touchdown in that game, but they found a way to win. And ever since then, they have been absolutely killing people. None of these games have really been close. Let's run it back. 56-7 over UAB, 40-13 over South Carolina, 62-0 at Vandy, and that game could have been 100-0, 37-0 over Arkansas, and that's when everybody loved Arkansas. 
A lot of people said Arkansas is going to go in there and and give them a ball game. It'll be close. I even thought Arkansas would hang around for half. That game was over in the first quarter. Georgia then goes to Auburn, beats them 34-10, and the game did not seem competitive. And in 30-13 winners uh, two weeks ago against Kentucky. So Georgia has the benefit of an open date, and now they're going to play Florida. Jacksonville, that's the home of that game. Uh, you know, a lot. there's not a lot of neutral site rivalry games anymore. I don't know that it makes good economic sense, but, you know, I'm sure it's good for the city of Jacksonville. Then, of course, Mizzou goes to Georgia. Georgia at Tennessee. Uh, was that, was that Carl, College of Charleston at Georgia? And then Georgia at Georgia Tech. So you look at this, and, and theoretically, you would say this is the last big hurdle for Georgia. That game at Tennessee could be a little bit dicey, but I just think, again, Georgia is on a mission. They'll have them ready to go. Georgia Tech, uh, College of Charleston will be no threat to Georgia. So should Georgia beat Tennessee, and I fully expect them to, they'll win win out, go undefeated on the season, be number one, be number one in the FBS playoff, and then have a chance to do some pretty major things. Could be the first national championship for Georgia since Herschel Walker played. We, we played against him. We know exactly what they what those guys have to offer. Now looking at Florida, you know it's like we, we laugh all the time, kind of privately. So you know Dan Mullen could have stayed at Mississippi State, gone eight and four most years. We'd have built a statue, named the stadium after him. But Dan wanted to win an Apple championship, and he didn't believe he could do that at Mississippi State, despite the fact that we were number one back in fourteen. And, and the truth of the matter is. Is we should have won enough games to get to the playoff that year. We should have. You say, well, yeah, it took an, an iconic quarterback, a guy that's starting in the NFL now, in the NFL now, to, to get us there. You know, maybe I've got a little more faith in myself than Dan Mullen does. I don't necessarily need them to lower the hurdles for me. And so, you know, the reality of it is, is the um, Dan's underachieving. You say, well, you know, he won the East last year. They did. They won the East last year. Not going to happen this year. Two and three in the SEC. Let that sink in for a second. You're two and three in the league, and you haven't even played Georgia yet. Think about this for a second. Dan Mullen could be four and four on Saturday night. Four and four. You think that's going to work in Gainesville? You don't think Scott Strickland's feeling a little heat over there? You go out and get the guy you knew you could. I mean, they tried to get Chip Kelly, tried to get Scott Frost, and that, that might have you know worked out the same way this thing did. Dan might have actually done better. You know, at least Dan got him to Atlanta. But you're staring four and four right in the face. And when you lose this weekend, you're assured of having a nine-winning year in the league. That dog will not hunt at the University of Florida. You know, you can go 8-4 at Mississippi State, go 4-4 four four in the league. You know, you beat Ole Miss more times than not. We'll love you forever. And so here's what's left for Florida. After they lose to Georgia, and I'll be shocked if, they, if, if Florida pulls off the upset. Florida also an unranked team at this point. Florida, Mississippi State, same record right now. Think about that. Same record. Pretty crazy to think about. Is that right? Yeah, I guess it's right. Four and three. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy to think about that. So, so then Florida will go at South Carolina. That's a win. Samford at Florida. That's a win. 
Florida at Missouri, that should be a win. And then Florida State at Florida. That, that's always a rivalry game. You never know what to expect. All right, so the reality of it is is that uh, Dan Mullen has gotten himself in, in a bit of a pickle out of Florida. I mean, it's like you run, you run the numbers here and you think, okay, four and four, you would four to play. You ought to win the next three, which makes you seven and four. And then best case scenario, you beat Florida State, you're eight and four. What if they lose to Florida State? Yeah, I think that Dan is probably in a position that if he wants to retain that position at Gainesville, and I'm sure that he does, that the people involved will probably, you know, and probably expect him to make some changes on the staff. And, you know, Dan's always been kind of reluctant to do that on the offensive side of the football. Kind of got his little group together, and they've been together a long time. And I don't I don't want to say Dan surrounds himself with yes-men, but Dan's a guy, too, that um, – he knows these guys understand what he expects. So, you don't want to bring somebody else in and kind of have to teach him their his system. But, you know, what happened to Todd Grantham? You know, I go, I go back to it's like I, I read these things from time, you know, from some of our fans that uh, are full of passion but devoid of facts and say, you know, you know, well, we're not really committed to football at Mississippi State, and that's completely false. You know, I remember a time, you know, when Dan Mullen needed to go hire an, a defensive coordinator, and John Cohen was the athletic director, and Dan and John reached out to Dan and said, hey, if you could get anybody you wanted, if money wasn't an issue, who would you get? And he gave him three names, and Todd Grantham was on that list, and we'd go get Grantham and then put together that great, you know, defensive effort, you know, there 2017. So now that Dan has kind of found his guy – and they've gotten to Florida, you know, the honeymoon in many respects is over. So I suspect that you'll see Todd Grantham, among others, uh, probably on the job market sooner rather than later. All right, Ole Miss at Auburn. That game will be going on on ESPN the same time as our game against Kentucky. So let's look at this Ole Miss team, uh, ranked number 10. And you know, who could argue against the fact that, hey, Ole Miss is playing well? Six and one, three and one in the league. Already got wins over Tennessee and LSU. And you say, well, you know, LSU not so good. But, yeah, it's a rivalry game. You know, I picked against these guys three straight weeks. I did it again today. Arkansas should have beat Ole Miss, but Ole Miss found a way to win. It was in Oxford. And then, of course, they go to Tennessee. Tennessee should have won the ball game. Ole Miss finds a way to win. LSU, not a good, not a good ball team. And Ole Miss handled it pretty well. You know, what happens if they don't throw the pick, though, in the end zone? It was a 7-0 ball game, and LSU was kind of dictating terms. And the next thing you know, it's 17-7, and Ole Miss kind of coast to a big win there. LSU scores a couple touchdowns or a couple points late to, to make the score look a little more respectable. But Ole Miss dominated the last three quarters of that ball game. What's next for them? They're going to play at Auburn. I suspect this is the week that the Ole Miss defense – struggles a little bit more you know they, they they weren't great against Tennessee they weren't great against Arkansas they weren't great against Alabama had a pretty good game against LSU and some of that also too is uh, LSU's on an aptitude I think Auburn's running game is probably enough in this one I think you know the fact that they run a lot of eye candy and if you're an undisciplined defense Auburn can take advantage I think Auburn wins the ball game which will be big and then there's the return of Hugh Freeze to Oxford next weekend Liberty at Ole Miss. I know a lot of people have said, oh, Liberty's going to beat Ole Miss. Guys, they don't have a shot. I mean, they really don't. I mean, can they keep it competitive for a while? Maybe. But it goes back to what we talked about. 
you got to have players, and Liberty doesn't have players. Liberty not also not having the year that um, you know they had a year ago. You know they got off to the good start last year. That was the, all the talk. It's all man, look at Liberty, and they got a chance to sneak in and do some good things. And they're six and two, so they're not going to be intimidated, I don't think. And you're kind of looking at this thing here. You know, you could argue that uh, Liberty could be undefeated this year. You know, they they lose a three point game at Syracuse. And then they lose a three-point game at Louisiana Monroe. You know, we're talking two plays away from those guys being undefeated again. But offensively, they haven't been, you know, maybe what they were a year ago. And so that'll be interesting. But, yeah, I, I just don't think – Liberty just doesn't have the horses. And as much as a lot of people would like to see Hugh Freeze beat Ole Miss, um, they just – Matt Corral and that offense is going to be too much. I think Snoop Connor is a guy that's really, really blossomed this year for them especially between the tackles. He is a big physical runner that gives them an edge that I think perhaps they haven't had before. Then Texas A&M goes to Ole Miss, and I think Isaiah Spiller will likely be the SEC player of the week after that one. I think A&M will get Ole Miss. I think A&M is good enough defensively. They can confuse some things, and that's a big ball game. If A&M you know, really wants to really push into a New Year's Six ball game, they've got to have that. So – I'm calling it now. I think Ole Miss loses two out of the next three. And again, I've picked against them, and they've made me look silly the last three weeks. And uh, but they, you know, these are these Auburn A&M games are going to be close ball games. And fortunately for Ole Miss, they get A&M at home. I just think the way that that A&M offense is structured, and they've kind of figured some things out, and they're playing exceptionally well. I think that's one they're going to struggle with. Of course, they'll be Vanderbilt, and then they'll come here on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and so. What shape will we be in and they be in in that ball game? Those are the things you look at and begin to wonder. You know, some people play the egg bowl in their minds all year long. You know, Ole Miss should be able to score some points. I thought Tennessee did a pretty good job defensively against Ole Miss. Kind of confused them a little bit and made Matt Corral uh, carry the football. State's linebackers are going to have to be especially disciplined against Ole Miss. I'm not ready to pick that game just yet. But, I mean, if, if, you, if you look at today, you would say Ole Miss will be favored in that ball game. And so let's call that a toss-up. And that's the thing, the Ole Miss of these last five ball games, three of the five are toss-ups. And if they win all those ball games, it's going to be a heck of a year for Ole Miss. I mean, it really is. And what does that mean for Lane Kiffin down the road? I don't think Lane Kiffin's going anywhere. I know a lot of people, there are a lot of people that would love to see him leave just because of the fact that uh, he guy's a good coach. They don't want to see Ole Miss be successful. I don't want to see him be successful either, but I think Lane Kiffin is – is going to remain there. I don't think he's going to LSU like some people have, have suggested. Okay, so Auburn's 5-2 and two on the year. Got out to the big start. You know, they scored, what, 122 points the first two ball games. They lose on a road at Penn State. They get by Georgia State. You know, Georgia State's winning that ball game. Auburn puts together a late drive and then gets a pick six to put it away. And then they win on the road at LSU in a game that LSU probably should have won. Bo Nix wins the ball game for them late. Then they compete against Georgia a little bit. But, uh, again, you can't really get an objective view of any team against a team as good as Georgia this year. Auburn then – Bo Nix kind of takes charge that ball game against Arkansas. They win that game in Fayetteville. And now you've got this big matchup this weekend. Then Auburn goes to A&M. That is going to be a fun game. I mean, that is really going to be a fun game for us to watch. And then the next week, we go to Auburn. So what kind of emotional state is Auburn going to be in 
after these two ball games. Let's say Auburn, you know, loses to Ole Miss, loses to A&M. You know, we would get kind of a desperate team, I think, in many respects in that ball game. Then, then Auburn closes at South Carolina and hosts Alabama. You know, one of the things for Auburn, and now it's when Gus Malzahn was there, you know, the years that they had to travel to Georgia and Alabama were the were the eight and four years. The years that they got Alabama and Georgia at home, those were the 10-11 win type years. Well, this is that year. This is the year where the schedule flips in Auburn's favor. And, you know, again, they're playing pretty well, but they're not maybe what they want to be. It's a new staff in there, to be fair to those guys. But, uh, you know, 5-2 and two right now, you know, they're going to be in that same 8-4 and four type mix, I think. I think that's pretty much, you know, what we would expect at this point with five games to play. You'd say they're probably going to win more than they lose. Right now, I've got them beating us. But we'll see how things progress. You know, a lot can change between now and then. Bo Nix, I thought would be a good fit for this offense because of his mobility. He's having a pretty good year. 1,488 yards passing. Tank Bigsby, who I think is an undervalued running back in this league, 526 at this point, and has a chance against some of these defenses they're going to play down the stretch. Now to put up some numbers. Don't know if he gets to 1,000, but I think that he is a guy that will certainly finish among the leaders in the Southeastern Conference. But, um, you know, again, this Auburn team is very intriguing in many respects, and we'll see how things kind of progress and develop for them. You know, Kentucky. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. 
I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. I admit they're better than I thought they would be, six and one, but I still don't think they're great. We discussed some of this on on, um, on Wednesday. You know, a lot of narrow wins, but they found a way to win those ball games, and their long loss is to the number one team in the country. So this is not a bad team that's coming in here. They have not put up big offensive numbers in SEC play for the most part, other than when they played Mizzou, and they played, you know, pretty much a downtrodden LSU team and just ran all over LSU. 330 yards in that ball game. They will come in here this weekend. I've got State winning the ball game. I think we win it. Vegas thinks we win it. A lot of national prognosticators think we win it. I think Kentucky, in, in many respects, is a little, little bit overvalued. Next week, they'll get Tennessee. That could That's another toss-up game. That could be a loss, too. Then they go to Vanderbilt. They get New Mexico State. And then they're at Louisville. So you look at the schedule and you say, okay, they're definitely making a bowl game at 6-1. and one. And they got two wins kind of in their back pocket with uh, with uh, Vanderbilt and Mexico State. So, yeah, could it be an 11-1 year? Yeah, it could be. I don't expect that, though. But to, but to think for just here for a second, you know, they could be 9-3, and 10-2. and two. You know, they'll, they'll drop a ball game. And I suspect it'll be to us. And then I think they could lose to Tennessee. And then we'll see what happens, uh, you know, with Louisville. But, uh, but the reality is this, this Kentucky team may not live up to the expectations that some had at the beginning of the year, but they've exceeded mine. I mean, and that and 50 cents will get you a cup of coffee at the dealer truck stop. But uh, but this is a good Kentucky team. I don't think they're a great team, and I think that we'll see that uh, tomorrow night. So let's take a look at the, the Mississippi State schedule. I'm sure you guys have spent a lot of time breaking this thing down, kind of how you feel about it. But, um, you know, we got some winnable games on the stretch, four and three, Five to play. Kentucky, I think we win that game. Then we go to Arkansas. Can we win that game? I think we can. Especially if we win this week. I think if you win this week and then you go into Arkansas on a two-game winning streak, feeling confident, you know, knowing that you've got an FCS game coming later so you feel like bowl eligibility is pretty much an assurity, I think we'll go up there and play loose. And I think that we gave them the game last year. If I had to call it today, I think we win the ballgame. I do have us losing at Auburn and, of course, beating Tennessee State. So that gives us a chance to basically have, you know, seven wins before the Egg Bowl. And I think considering how many teams are going to be in that six and six, seven and five kind of glut right there in the middle of the standings, that Egg Bowl game could could mean a lot for Mississippi State. You know, beginning of the year, we all thought, you know, seven and five is probably the over-under, six and six the floor, eight and four the ceiling. You know, all of that is still in play. The main thing we have to do is go get a win this weekend, and then we'll figure the rest of it out. But there is not a game on a schedule you look at and say, that's a definite loss. The one at this point that I worry the most about is Auburn. And you would say, well, you know, Ole Miss is playing well. They are. There's no doubt about it. But we also get that game at home. It's a rivalry game. And I think that uh, Mike Leach and that staff learned a lot last year about, you know, what to expect, you know, in the Egg Bowl. I don't know that they fully appreciated it last year. So that's your that's your week Spent a lot of time talking about four games. But, um, 
you know, a lot of these teams now really jockeying for position for bowl eligibility. So your winners this weekend, Missouri on the road at Vandy, Georgia and Jacksonville against Florida, Auburn at home against Ole Miss, and then Mississippi State at home against Kentucky. So there you go. Kind of a mixed bag, but four games. And uh, I think it's a pretty exciting thing, too, when you begin to look at this thing and realize that even with the highs and lows of the season, that we're kind of right where we thought we would be. And a win this weekend really kind of alleviates a lot of anxiety, not just for the team, but for this fan base. Because the last thing we want is another losing season. We've, we've finished the last two years with losing seasons. And so, you know, we went 6-6 six and six back in 19. We did, and then we lose the ball game, a game that we led at the half and then got absolutely destroyed in the second half. So we need to get back on the winning side of things, for sure. And I think, again, this is a nice step forward even though there is some peaks and valleys with this team, a lot of it due to youth and experience, this is a team that if we can play as well down the stretch as we did last year, I think seven and five and potentially eight and four uh, is possible. But we'll see. That's the thing, too, the Mike Leach experience. Sometimes you beat teams you don't expect and you lose to teams you don't expect. How many of you guys had us winning at A&M and then losing at Memphis? I'd say very few of you. So we'll just kind of see how things go and th- see how things progress. I'm told it has been a good week of practice for Mississippi State. We've had very good media opportunities this week. And, you know, there's only so much you can tell. They're not going to send a malcontent up there to speak to the media. But it just, it just feels like that our head is in the right place. And I know those guys are happy to be home and have a chance to play in front of our fans. And I just encourage you guys to turn out and be a part of that uh, this weekend. Time for the top ten list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair's a good friend of mine, like Blair a lot. He is always on me about the jam band stuff. We're not doing a jam band today, Blair, so go ahead and stand at ease. But if you're looking to refinance your mortgage, you perhaps get into a mortgage. Maybe you're looking to buy a house for the first time. You know, maybe life hasn't been fair to you, and now you've put yourself in a position. You say, you know what, I'd like to be able to have a legacy and a home that my family could always come back to. I'm tired of being on the hamster wheel of renting. Blair can help you with every bit of that. Go to CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E, CloseWithBlair.com. And one of the things, too, is maybe if you're not quite ready, maybe you need to get ready. Blair can help you get ready. He can tell you what you need to do to get yourself into a position where your loan will just kind of fly right through underwriting. It is a complicated process. Go, go with the guy that's got experience. Blair's got 21 years in the industry and the top 1% in the close ratio standings nationally. Works at Fairway Mortgage, not some fly-by-night subprime lender. This is a guy that's a pro working with other professionals. We'll do a professional job for you. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we're going to keep it in the family. Blair's a bulldog, and I believe in doing business with bulldogs, and you should too. Blair is one of those guys, too, that says, you know what? Because I I want the Mississippi State business, I'm going to give you guys on the boneyard a break. I'm going to pay for your appraisal. All you got to do is mention to Blair, either by text or by phone or an email, say, hey, listen, I heard about you on the boneyard, and Blair can take care of you. And here's the thing, too. Blair is licensed to, to close mortgages in multiple states. It's not just Rankin County. It's not just central Mississippi. Reach out to him. He'll let you know if he can take care of you. Many of you said, you know what, Steve, I just, you know, we don't have a lot of options here in our town. Well, yeah, Blair's here to help you with that. Give him a, a call or a text today. It's 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And if you need that number and you lose it and you can't remember, close to Blair.com, you know where I am. Find me and I'll send you that information. 
I want you guys to be able to buy a home for you and your family. Have a place to celebrate Christmas of your very own. And again, mention that you heard about him on the boneyard. He's going to pay for that appraisal. That's about a five to $600 value. All right, today's top 10 list. I wasn't sure quite what to do today. We've got the list. But yesterday, me and Ian, my youngest son, who is uh, still in high school, riding around yesterday, kind of doing the after-school thing and uh, jamming some Lincoln Park. And uh, we've done Lincoln Park on the show, but uh, as part of our listening experience, we listened to some of the Collision Course, which was the mashup between Jay-Z and Lincoln Park. And so I got to thinking, you know, there have been some great rock and rap collaborations over the years. And so why don't we highlight those on the show? So here are your top 10 rock rap collaborations. So we're going to bring everybody in today. We're going to bring in the rockers. We're going to bring in the rap people. And, and here's the thing, too. Rock and rap are both very, very similar. I, I laugh when I hear people say, well, you know, country and rap are really similar. No, they're not similar in any way whatsoever. I don't care how many times you've listened to Cruise with Florida Georgia Line and Nelly, even though I think it's catchy, they're not similar. They're just not. And that's not to say that one's bad and one's good. They're not similar. Rock and rap are kind of the voice of rebellion and of change. And so it's a, it's a unique marriage in many respects. So I wanted to put Corn and the Franchise Boys lean with it rock with it on this but it's not available on apple music and so I, I i changed it but if you can find that out there it's a pretty cool little uh little rendition those guys do together again that's corn and, and the franchise boys lean with it rock with it all right so here's top 10 and so i, I want to tell you too the i would say maybe the uh, the top four on this list i think are kind of iconic performances and so some of these on the back end of the list, you may not be quite as familiar with. Number 10, this is a little different. You know, so it's not like a rock version of a rap song. It's an original song by Cypress Hill that has some rock elements in it. And it's a rock superstar, you know, from the Training Day soundtrack. I love this song. I absolutely love it. And, um, you know, Chino and Everlast are part of this, too. They kind of do some voiceover stuff over it. But Rock Superstar by Cypress Hill, that's number 10. Number nine, a song that you might have never heard. And I know that Machine Gun Kelly is a guy that's kind of controversial. You know, he's a guy that did some rap for a while. And then he played Tommy Lee in the Netflix original uh, movie about Motley Crue, The Dirt. And now he's kind of doing rock stuff. He's trying to kind of cross over. And he hasn't really been accepted in many respects. But there was a song they did a couple years ago called Spotlight that had Lizzie Hale from Hellstorm. And you guys know what a fan I am of hers. She's the highlight of the song. Spotlight is the name of the song. Spotlight by Machine Gun Kelly featuring Lizzie Hale. That's number nine on the list. Number eight, I did find a way to get Corn on here. It's a song, uh, Play Me, Corn featuring Nas. Corn is uh, from Bakersfield, California. They like rap music. You know, you guys may, may remember on the Greatest Hits album, they covered Word Up by Cameo. And so, you know, there's a little bit of, um, you know, rap, R&B influence in what they do. You know, I really like the, uh, the Path of Totality. That's a different album. They did some electric dubstep type stuff too. But there you go with Nas. Number seven, a song that many of you may not be familiar with, 
and uh, I absolutely dig this track. We've got a longtime listener, uh, Coy Wel- Welburn, that is a big Dinosaur Jr. fan, and he has asked me multiple times to do a Dinosaur Jr. list. I don't think I could do that list justice because I don't know enough of their, their music. But there's a song that they collaborated with, with Del the Funky Homo Sapien, called Missing Link, that is a gem. It is really, really good. Missing Link by Del the Funky Homo Sapien featuring Dinosaur Jr. That's number seven on today's list. Number six, we could probably make an argument for this. This is actually a cover. It's kind of like a mashup deal, kind of like what Linkin Park did. But it's Crank That with Soldier Boy and Travis Barker. Crank That, Soldier Boy, Travis Barker. And it's the rock version, and it is phenomenal. There's a video out there of Travis playing his part on this on YouTube. It is great. I actually like this better than the original. I know that there are some people that would say, you know, Steve, that's just sacrilegious. Well, I'm a rock guy. But I love the fact that Travis Barker did this. It's a Travis Barker production. Check it out. Crank That Soldier Boy featuring Soldier Boy and Travis Barker. Number five, a more recent song. And this one is not in really the true vein of rap. But it is a guy that has done a great job making a name for himself. Moved from California recently to Utah. It's Post Malone. And it's a song, Take What You Want, featuring Ozzy Osbourne. So it's a pretty good collaboration here. And I remember when when I first began to hear about this, they said, oh, man, Ozzy came in and basically did it in one or two takes and just absolutely killed it. And it's to me... Ozzy's voice on this song sounds like the classic Ozzy, like the classic, you know, ultimate sand bark at the moon. Ozzy, it's tremendous, and I know there's a lot they can do with technology. But I love the song in and of itself, and it's really not necessarily a rap song. It's a rap performer basically doing a rock song with a rock legend, Ozzy Osbourne. So number four. Now, there's two versions of the song. There is the air raid vehicle version, and then there is the urban assault vehicle version. And uh, yeah, that's right. We're talking Roland by Limp Bizkit. I actually like the urban assault vehicle version better. That's Limp Bizkit with DMX, Redman, and Method Man. I'm a huge Method Man fan. I think Method Man is uh, an iconic rapper. I think his delivery and flow is unlike anybody else. There are a lot of people that kind of talk over themselves. And they want to spit things as fast as they can and talk about how good their flow is. Uh, there's nobody cooler in the world than Method Man. And listen, the lyrics on this song and many others on this list are not family friendly. I'm just tell you right out of the gate. So don't be listening to this list in the car with your kids. Number three, and this goes back to Collision Course. I love everything on that mashup album, that EP between Linkin Park and Jay-Z. I, I love it. I love it all. I absolutely love it. I li- when I first bought that CD, me and Ani listened to that thing nonstop for weeks. And I still put it on sometimes. Sometimes I get in the car and Ian's like, hey, let's listen to this. Let's listen to Jay-Z and Linkin Park. But the best song on there, in my opinion, is Points of Authority and 99 Problems, and then it fades into In the End. That is the best one. That's Jay-Z and Linkin Park. If you don't know the Collision Course CD, you need to listen to it. You need, you need to listen to every bit of it. There, there's, there's not a bad track on there. And I love the fact that sometimes uh, Mike Shinoda and those guys do some of the rap stuff. They do some of Jay-Z stuff. And I love how informed what all is. And, of course, when Chester Bennington died, Jay-Z had this incredible statement. It is talking about how special this album was. And um, this is kind of the child of the, the final two songs on the list. Like this whole collaboration is part of this whole tree 
Number two, this came out in my teen years, and it was a rebirth for Aerosmith. We're talking Walk This Way, Run DMC, and Aerosmith. And Rick Rubin, of course, was producing Run DMC at the time and said, hey, listen, here's a great song I think you should do. And and uh, Run said, well, we got to put it into, uh, you know, in, in, into, you know, b-boy language and he goes it already is walk this way was basically a rap song in the beginning and then of course they changed the chorus because you know early in the aerosmith experience steven tower didn't have a lot of uh, confidence in his voice and wouldn't really let out those trademark screams and i love that first aerosmith album but it is rather muted vocally so walk this way with steven tyler just swallowing the microphone and screaming his lungs out was basically allowed helped run dmc that was a rising rap band. I mean, I go back to hard times and all that stuff. This allowed Run DMC to kind of open themselves up more to the mainstream, more to, more to radio, became more of a top 40 type band in many respects. And Aerosmith that had reunited with Joe Perry and they had released Done With Mirrors that was met, met with mixed reviews and kind of low record sales. This basically allowed Aerosmith to return to the forefront. And then shortly after this album was recorded, um, Permanent Vacation, which had, you know, Ragdoll and Dude Looks Like a Lady and Angel. And so it changed everything. It brought Aerosmith out to a new generation of fans and then made Run DMC, you know, more of a rising underground rap artist to being a mainstream headliner around the country. And all because of the glory of MTV. Because, you know, MTV used to play music. MTV stands for music television. I don't know if you knew that. It used to play music. They don't need more. It's a joke. But number one, and because I've got a little more edge to me, and I could have easily put Walk This Way number one. I could have done it. But I like a little more fist in the face. And so I went with it. Some of you are thinking, Steve, I know you're going to do it. And you're absolutely right. We're doing Bring the Noise, Public Enemy, and Anthrax. I loved the original of this. I love the video. I love the fact that Anthrax is laying that down. You know, and Anthrax uh, actually did a rap song on... Um, I, can't, I cannot think. Killer Bees, I guess. Yeah, Killer Bees. Called I'm the Man. And uh, it was just kind of them being silly. But this was a serious deal. And this is one of those things, too, that I tried to explain to people, too, is even though the rock and rap community were very similar in the belief system, there was still this chasm in many respects between you know, black and white in many respects. And I think this song kind of said, you know what? Hey, it's okay to rock and it's okay to rap because we're kind of singing the same song. You know, we're kind of doing the same thing. We're all kind of fighting the power. And so I love this track. I, I absolutely love it. I listen to it regularly. It's on my regular playlist. I just kind of thumb over there sometimes. And I absolutely love hearing Charlie playing those opening beats on this and hearing Chuck DC hear the drummer get wicked late. And it's just... To me, it is perfect. It is absolute perfection. And what's interesting, too, is you know, back in the day when we were all listening to NWA and Public Enemy, and you know, it was mainly kind of white America youth buying those albums. And I think it opened up our eyes in many respects to some experiences that were unfamiliar to us. And so then all of a sudden, we had these bands that we're not supposed to like. You know, it's like people are like, oh, you shouldn't listen to that stuff. You know, Easy e and Chuck D and you know, Flavor Flav and all those guys, you know, Ice T. All they're going to do is teach you about violence and the degradation of women. And it's not to say there's not some elements of that in some of that music. But, you know, Chuck D is the guy for me. You know, that's that's one of those guys that really kind of opened my eyes 
to kind of life outside of Mississippi. It's like, you know, there were people that were kind of glamorized and, you know, gang violence and that stuff and rap music, and that's not to say that they didn't have a lot of talent. But I thought Chuck D was one of the first people that really had something to say. And so to hear him and Flav, you know, mix it up with Anthrax uh, was just one of those things I remember looking back and thinking, is this really happening? And, of course, there are a lot of bands that I think were influenced by this, you know, Rage Against the Machine, and, you know, Chuck D is part of that now with Prophets of Rage. He and, and Be Real from Cypress Hill go out on the road with the three uh, remaining members of uh, Rage Against the Machine, and they play some original tunes. And so there you go, your top ten rock rap collaborations. And, uh, again, you know, this is, this, this is the music of rebellion. That's what it is. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, they listen to all this hipster duper stuff and, you know, call themselves an activist. They, they, listen, guys like Chuck D were about change and still are in many respects. And I don't always agree with all his politics, but the reality of it is uh, the chances of all of us agreeing on everything are pretty slim. But I do like the fact that people share their voice, even if I don't agree with them. I'm a, I'm a First Amendment advocate in every respect, even for things that I don't like, because there are going to be a lot of things that I say and do and write that other people are going to like. I don't want anybody infringing on my ability to say, write, uh, or express them. And so uh, I, I was really, really – this is a thing, too. I don't want to spend a lot of time chasing this. But when all that stuff happened with the PMRC, I actually wrote a paper about that. I wish I could find it. Uh, I wrote a paper about that when I was in high school, about the Parents Music Resource Center that was kind of led up by Tipper Gore, all because of uh, the song Darling Nikki she heard on the uh, – Purple Rain soundtrack from Prince of the Revolution. It's like, oh, I never knew. I wish we had a warning label. Well, then they put these warning labels on records, and that just guaranteed that we were going to go out and buy them. That's what that meant. It's like, well, this is what I need to get. Because if they were putting, uh, you know, warning labels on albums, that meant that there was, again, the spirit of rebellion and that stuff. And so all it did was guarantee more record sales uh, for these artists. But uh, there were a lot of people out there that were trying to say, you know what, bands like... Uh, you know, Public Enemy and, and NWA should not have a right to share their pain or to tell their story. And I am permanently against anybody that tries to infringe on that ability. And uh, I even go back to, uh, you know, the Two Live Crew days, you know, when um, even as, you know, as wild and crazy as that music is, I respect their ability to make it. And there were there was all these hearings and like they were arresting the band and that sort of stuff because, they believed they were being vulgar, and, and even though the people were paying money and, and being carted at the door to come in. And one of the cool things that happened, and I probably should have included this. This is like a bonus track, and maybe Roy will put it on the list for you. But Band in the USA and Bruce Springsteen donated the rights to Born in the USA for Luke Skywalker and the Two Live Crew to record that song because he was – so pro first amendment and again we're not always going to agree on stuff but i think you know our ability to express ourselves and to tell our story uh is paramount to what our freedoms are in this country i didn't mean to get political today but that's the reality of it and so so here we go that's your top 10 if you've got ideas for the top 10 let's reach out let me know i love this list i think it is the perfect list you may disagree you may say you know what steve you didn't include this song and i might not have even heard it and so send it to me i'm happy to check them out all right, so the next segment of the show brought to you by uh, Campus Bookmart. Guys, Campus Bookmart is a Stark Villigan institution. You need to go by and see Stand Man, Miss Kathy Brown. I will be there tomorrow, and I'll introduce you. I will be at Campus Bookmart from 11 to 3 on Saturday, and then I'll be at Bookmart and Cafe, their sister store downtown from 11 to 3 on Sunday, and hopefully we're all in a good mood celebrating a win. 
But you come down. I'll introduce you to lovely, talented Susie. You can get your picture made with her. She, she'll smile real pretty. Uh, but, you know, come down and check out the latest in Mississippi State fashions. They've got a ton of national championship gear. And, you know, we're honoring the team. So maybe, maybe you want to say, you know what, I'm going to get some national championship gear. I'm going to wear it too. I'm going to wear it to the ball game. And you can. And you can go ahead and get some Christmas gifts. Because here's the thing. National championship gear is timeless. You know, it's like this, there's some people that like will still wear like an old jersey. Like I was at the Titans game and there was a kid wearing a Ryan Tannehill Miami Dolphins jersey. I wanted to go buy him a jersey just because I felt like this is, this is a football faux pas. You know, if we're wearing national championship gear, that's never out of bounds. We can wear it to any event we want to because we want a national championship and everybody else can stick it. Find yourself some national championship gear at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. That's right, BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's talk a little recruiting. We're going to have a lot of recruits in town this weekend. Trevion Williams, the former Florida State commitment, the four-star defensive lineman from Crystal Springs, Mississippi. He, his mom, his grandmother, and other assorted family members uh, are expected to be in town. That'll be his third home game visit, if I'm not mistaken. You know, you remember we tried to get him to town for the Super Slam event, and then he just said, you know what, I'm committed to Florida State. I don't feel right about that. Well, the situation has changed a little bit. And so now they're going to be back, and he's also set up an official visit to Mississippi State the weekend of December 3rd. Now, he was here for the LSU ball game, and, and some, I don't know, I have no idea how this got started. Somebody said, oh, well, Ed Orgeron told him to go visit the game. It, guys, he could just as easily go to Baton Rouge, right? I mean, why, why would Ed Orgeron tell him to come watch LSU play at Mississippi State? We have been after him for a long time. That, that's, that's that self-loathing Mississippi State uh, element of the fan base that I wish we could breed out of the fan base, whatever we do. Trevion Williams came to Mississippi State because he was interested in seeing Mississippi State. And, of course, LSU offered Trevion Williams, and now that entire staff is going to be fired. I've got some friends down there, and uh, I'm worried about that aspect of it. You know, there are some friends of mine that um, work at LSU, and, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Do they have a job with the new staff? You just never know. You know, that, uh, that happened up here. You know, when Mike Leach got here, you know, we, we trimmed some staff down, that sort of stuff, and, you know, I had some friends that you know, had to leave. And so what happens then at LSU now? So Trevion Williams, chances of him going to LSU, pretty slim. I think this is going to boil down to State and Ole Miss. He did go to Ole Miss last weekend. I was told it was an okay visit. I was not told it was a great visit. You know, Trevion's a guy, too, kind of from small-town Mississippi. I think culturally he's probably a better fit here. It's one of those things, too, you look at. If you were a defensive lineman in the state of Mississippi and you want to go to the National Football League, where are you going to go? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. I, I don't know that Ole Miss has a defensive lineman in the National Football League right now. They may have one on a practice squad somewhere that I'm unaware of. But, you know, you could be Benito Jones, you know, a guy that grew up on the farm riding horses, feeding animals, and you can go to Ole Miss and not have anybody around you. And then uh, you can be right back in Wayne County, you know, riding the horses. Or you can go to Mississippi State, a place that has built a culture around defensive linemen. And you, you don't need me to tell you, you can turn on your TV pretty much any Sunday. And you can see Jeffrey Simmons, and you can see Chris Jones, you can see Danico Autry, you can see Fletcher Cox, and the list goes on and on and on. Uh, 
you know, Mississippi State has done a great job developing in-state defensive line prospects and putting them in the National Football League. And it is one of those things, too, that has, has stuck with us for years. It's not, well, you know, this coach left. Guys, we have done it. I can't truly explain it. But no matter who the coach is, guys that come and they're stars on the defensive line at Mississippi State go to the National Football League. It's as simple as that. We got some guys that got Super Bowl rings in the last couple of years. You know, Fletcher wins one. Chris wins one. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about, you know, the guys that have come here. And so it, that's not lost on this new generation of defensive line prospects. That's something that continues to get, you know, preached to them. It's like, hey, you, you, you want to go do what Chris Jones and Jeff Simmons are doing? Well, you know, it might be best to follow the same path they did. Now, another defensive lineman that uh, we've talked about a lot is Jaheim Otis. He is from my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi. I feel like I've got a really good read on this because I know a lot of people in his family and a lot of people close to him. He remains committed to Alabama. I believe that is a commitment in word rather than deed. I think it is pretty apparent that he is going to go somewhere else. Now, he will take official visits to state. I know that Ole Miss is trying to get him to take a visit up there. That is not finalized from what I understand, but there has been some discussions. He does plan to visit Mississippi State the weekend of December 3rd. That's the same weekend as Trevion Williams. And that is not an either-or deal. That is a we-want-you-both deal. That's what that is. We want you both. They play different positions anyway. But you know some amateur recruiters would be out there and say, hey, they, they, they really want that kid. That's why they brought you in two different weekends. Uh, we'll bring them in the same weekend. They're going to be here, you know, with Trent Singleton, a lot of our commitments and that sort of stuff. Kamari Rogers will be here as well. Uh, but the reality of it is, is that Jaheim Otis is a guy that committed to Alabama. He got hot boxed a little bit. He did. And that's the thing, too. It's like if Alabama wants you, you think, man, you know, I probably need to take this. And so what I understand is like, you know, he went over there and he had the, uh, had the big office visit and Nick Saban sat across the table from him and said, hey, listen, we want you. Uh, but we can't afford to wait on you because I've got, you know, number two, number three behind you that are ready to commit. And if you're not ready to commit, that's fine. We're going to take one of those guys. And so that's basically how that conversation went. And uh, Jaheim committed and, uh, you know, still wants to take his visits. And, of course, he's been up here and had some good times at Mississippi State. Not sure of his plans this weekend. I, you know, I, to be honest, I checked earlier in the week and said, hey, he may just stay home because he's been on the road every weekend. And then, of course, uh, Columbia High School wins a district championship last night. That's right. That's right. The Columbia High School. That's right. And so, Jaheim might stay home this weekend. You, know, you, know, you never know. He's a guy that doesn't have a problem getting rides. And so, he may decide, you know what, since I'm, I played last night, I'm off this Friday night, maybe I get up and drive to Starkville on Saturday. You know, so, we'll see how that kind of progresses. We'll see uh, how things go with that. But, uh, again, state in a good position, not a great position in a good position. You know, that's the thing people say, well, Steve, who's the more likely of the two? Well, Trevion Williams is undeclared. He's decommitted from Florida State. So, yeah, that feels better. Jaheim Otis continues to be committed to Alabama. And while, again, I don't think that is a very solid commitment, he remains committed to Alabama, to Alabama. It's not like he's committed to Arkansas or even committed, you know, even to, uh, you know, Texas A&M. And we could say, well, you know, this is closer to home. It's not that big a drive 
to get over to Tuscaloosa. It's really not that much difference when you look at geography. But it's Alabama we're talking about. And so that's kind of the hesitation that I have there. I mean, yeah, again, this is a guy from my hometown, so I'm going to shoot you straight. And the reality of it is I do think State's in a really good spot here. And the fact that he came here and was able to spend so much time with the players last time he was up here, made some friends, and they've remained in contact, that's been really big. I do think in the end Trevion Williams and Jaheim Otis stay in Mississippi. I do think that's the case. Do we split them with Ole Miss? Don't know. Do we get them both? Don't know. But I don't think we're in a situation where we miss them both. If that, that makes a difference to you. I don't think that we miss them both. Uh, another a guy I want to talk to is about Marquez Dorch. And there have been a lot of people that have talked about him. Now, as soon as MJ Daniels signed with, with Ole Miss, I crystal balled Dorch to Ole Miss just because the two of them are very, very close. And, of course, he committed. Well, since that time, a lot has changed. You know, Ole Miss sees him as a, as a corner, and he wants to play wide receiver. And so that's probably something that should have been established much earlier on, right? And, of course, you know, to give Ole Miss, you know, to be fair to those guys, I mean, your needs change over the course of a season. Other prospects kind of come on your radar over the course of a season. You say, you know what, hey, I, I like this kid a lot, but I like this other kid better at receiver. So let's put him at corner. Well, the kid wants the ball in his hands. Steve Spurrier and Mississippi State have never stopped recruiting him. Had him here for camp, came back up for a couple of events. He has been to a couple ball games. Might be here this weekend. I haven't confirmed that. Might be here this weekend. I think that's the case. I think Paul may have talked to him. I believe that's the case. But he has not attended an Ole Miss football game this year. He is committed to Ole Miss, but has not attended a football game at Ole Miss this year. Now, what does that say? Well, you know, they didn't have any trouble getting MJ Daniels up there, right? It's not like Marquez doesn't have anybody to stay with. You know, you just got to get him up there. He can spend the weekend with uh, MJ Daniels and go have a good time out on the square, but for some reason, they haven't been able to get him up there. Now, of course, you know, the old Miss spin in all this is, hey, we're not going to take him. We're not going to take him. That's what their media people are saying. Oh, we're not going to take him. But yet their coaches continue to recruit him. And so that, that's the thing that I look at. It's like I, I kind of hearken back to the Brandon Burkhalter and McCalum Pounders deal last year. You know, there were all these rumors in the wind, you know, for weeks that Brandon Burkhalter was going to flip to Ole Miss. McCalum Pounders was going to flip to Ole Miss. And so what Mississippi State did is they get on the phone and say, hey, listen, there's all this talk out here, and so here's what we're going to do. If you're going to come here, then you're going to tweet out this graphic. You're going to cancel all these visits, and we're going to basically draw a line in the sand. Either you're a bulldog or you're not, and we're going to go somewhere else. And so given that opportunity, Brandon Buckhalter said, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay, so then Mississippi State moves on. And you can say, well, they moved on because of his lack of commitment. But either way, everybody kind of understands where things stand, right? So the McCalum Pounder situation, which is a recruiting story that – is a cautionary tale for pretty much every recruit, probably in the southeast, but certainly in Mississippi. You know, McCalum Pounders is a guy that Mississippi State won that recruiting battle early on. And then over the course of the year, there's all these people that get in his ear, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that, oh my gosh, you got to do this, you got to do this. Well, then he listens to the noise, and he allows himself to get manipulated. He does. And all of a sudden, you know, we're all excited and wearing our Mary Flipmas T-shirts and all that kind of stuff. And then next thing you know, on National Signing Day, and I heard this directly from one of his coaches, 
you know, that uh, McKaylin shows up the before signing day and asks his coach, he goes, hey, do you have my letter of intent from Ole Miss? And he's like, you don't have it? No. Well, then they get on the phone and it's like, uh, well, hey, coach, it's not going to work out. We're not going to have a letter. And so, yeah, they, they use him to get the PR game going, right, to stick it to Mississippi State, and then they don't sign the kid. And ultimately, he signs on with Memphis, and I wish that kid the absolute best. You know, there was some talk behind the scenes that maybe that Mississippi State would come back because it was such outrage that Mississippi State might come back and take him. But you know what? State ends up getting Albert Reese, and McKellen Pounders didn't have a place to go. Ends up going to Memphis. It's pretty crazy. You know, and so, again, you can get caught up in the hype. And at the end of the day, McKellen Pounders really has nobody to blame but himself, Right? And that's, but this is a young man that was manipulated. But at the end of the day, you know, he chose to be part of this PR shell game and then was left having to go to Memphis. And I guess that's not to say that he won't get a great education at Memphis and that he won't have an opportunity to, to have a great playing career there. And I'm not in any way saying that. It's not like he ended up, you know, having to go play Division II. Memphis is close to home. It's a great place. A lot, there's a lot of fun in Memphis. But the reality of it is the kid got used. He won't have a chance to play in the SEC. He won't have a chance to develop and play against the best players in the country week in and week out. He won't get a chance to really sharpen a saw and then put himself in a position to go play in the National Football League. And so I look at all this stuff and I begin to think to myself, you know, it's like how, how much of that's going on this year? I mean, really, how much of that's happening this year? You know, we talked on this show and I, I posted on Gene's page in the weeks leading up to signing day that I was very concerned about MJ Daniels. I can still produce the articles to show it. Other people are like, oh, no, 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 he's going to stick with Mississippi State. Even Ole Miss media people, oh, he's going to stick with Mississippi State. What that tells me is they were poorly sourced on the topic. The MJ Daniels thing was an absolute circus in the final two weeks. And we pretty much knew two weeks in. You know, the kids kept saying, I'm going to, go, I'm going to Mississippi State, I'm going to go to Mississippi State. But we're hearing some things behind the scenes, you know, at Loosedale that were very concerning. Now I'm hearing some things out of Loosedale. MJ's not real happy up there. You know, we'll see how things progress. He's redshirted this year. That was all the talk last year, as he may get a chance to play some as a safety this year. And I don't know why he's redshirting. Who knows? He may have got a little banged up in camp. I don't know. Maybe they decided he needed to get ahead academically. I don't know. I don't know the circumstances behind that. But I think in some respects, Marquez's Dorch's interest in Mississippi State is somewhat related to that too. Just kind of put that under your hat. You know, we'll kind of see how things kind of progress and develop here, you know, in the weeks to come. But uh, Marcus Dorch, I'm, I'm not quite ready to put in a flip pick for him, but it is basically trending in that direction. A lot of people want to know about Stone Blanton. I'm not sure Stone's going to be here this weekend or not. It'd be great if he was. But there are a lot of people out there that, and I have talked extensively the past week with multiple parties about this, and I'll be honest with you, I don't think anybody has a good handle on what Stone's going to do right now. And that, that even comes from the Ole Miss side too. I think a lot of people, you know, that it's one, one day to the next, oh, I think he's going to go here. Now, here's the deal, and let's be honest with ourselves. Stone Blanton grew up going to games at Mississippi State when given the opportunity to pick between Mississippi State and Ole Miss baseball, we chose Mississippi State. That should make you feel good. Now, that said, there is at least a part of him that wants to go to Ole Miss. Because if there wasn't, he would have already committed to Mississippi State football and kind of ended this, right? And so you just got to keep working and working through all this thing, you know. And, and so I still believe Stone will be a Bulldog, but I'm not going to be surprised if he's not. 
I am surprised it's taken this long. You know, he told me back in July that he was, uh, you know, I guess the better part of a month away. And we really thought that he would make his commitment after his official visit. And at that time, he wasn't even planning to take an official visit to Ole Miss. Well, then he does. But he did say that his last official visit would be to Mississippi State. Well, that, that proved to be the case. Rather than come here on September the 11th for the NC State game, he goes to Ole Miss and then does take his final and fifth official visit to Mississippi State. So he has some state people in his family. He has some Ole Miss people in his family. And I think sometimes our fans forget what that's like. And that's not to say that anybody, you know, has ill intentions, but everybody wants, hey, we'd love to see our guy go play for our team. And so no matter what Stone Blanton does, he's going to disappoint somebody a little bit. And that's not to say it's going to dampen relationships or anything like that. My point being is that, you know, when you're 17, 18 years old, it's difficult knowing you're going to hurt somebody's feelings. Or you're going to disappoint somebody. It's difficult. That's not to say that everybody in his family aren't going to love him just the same. They are. But that's a difficult undertaking for a young person. And I think, you know, let's sometimes just take a step back and let those people figure it out. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, that have these strong opinions about other people's lives, you know, and, and I understand that it's rooted in good intentions. You think, you know, we just want him to come to Mississippi State. We think that's best for him. You know, that may, that may not be what he decides on. And that doesn't mean that he's any less of a person by any stretch of the imagination. You know, we, listen, we lose some good kids to Ole Miss every year. And many of them don't turn out to be very good football players in the Southeastern Conference. And I think some of that boils down to a decision. And, I, and let's go back to let, – let's remember – let's go back to uh, Deontay Skinner and Pat Patterson. Basically the same kid. Just played two different positions. But basically the same kid. One guy listened to people that were talking a bunch of noise. One guy didn't. One guy went to Mississippi State, played his entire career, had a really good career, and ended up playing the National Football League. And one guy didn't. Well, Deontay Skinner is the guy that did. Pat Patterson washes out at Ole Miss, goes to East Mississippi, uh, eventually gives up football, and if I'm not mistaken, joined uh, the United States Army and is now defending our freedom. So thank you for your service, Pat. But when you go back and look at these things, you know, again, similarly situated kids, one guy picks Mississippi State, one guy doesn't. You know, and so I think there are cultural fits. You know, that's not to say that, uh, you know, great players can't thrive anywhere. But most players are developmental in nature, regardless of what you hear, what you see, whatever. The bottom line is, is a lot of these guys need to be somewhere that they're going to be cultivated and developed that hadn't always been the case up the road. Just hadn't been. You know, and, and we can come up with countless examples. You know, I mean, I mean, let's just let's go back a little bit. Let's look at the, the this. Remember the, the year of the safety a few years ago. Remember that? And I think at some point, all five of those guys were committed to Mississippi State. You know, Jarvis Wilson, of course, defected, went to Georgia. Jonathan Abram went to Georgia. Ultimately, came here. Jamal Peters, Mark McLaurin, and then there was Armani Lenton. You can go look up the statistics for yourself. You know, Jonathan Abram becomes a first-round draft pick. Mark McLaurin had a great career here at Mississippi State, ended up uh, beating Lamar Jackson, Heisman Trophy winner in the Gator Bowl, was the MVP of that game. Uh, Jamal Peters, you know, was a guy that uh, probably never fully appreciated his talent, maybe realized his full potential. But all those guys put together great careers, with the exception of one, Armani Lenton. 
That was a guy that was committed to Mississippi State. Again, kind of part of the whole shell game. He and Jay Johnson, you know, flipped all the mess. And, you know, where's Jay Johnson today? Jay Johnson out of Bruce, right? Biggest highlight of his career was being, you know, a red shirt during the last chance U series at East Mississippi Community College. And so you can say, well, you know, Steve, every situation is different. Yeah, that's true. It is. Every situation is different. But when you begin to look at the pathology of all this and look at how many of these situations that have occurred, you begin to ask yourself, what's the common denominator? And so I just say that because I think that, you know, I think it's important Mississippi State fans understand that usually when we lose a kid, you know, the old mess, usually when we lose one, they traditionally don't amount to a whole lot. I don't necessarily think that that's about the kid. I think it's about, you know, the decision that they they make. And, you know, you know I, I can go back to the Robert Elliott thing, too. I mean, you know, it's like, you know, Robert got hotboxed early on, then he flipped, and all of a sudden he's an enemy, and then the poor guy's an ACL and injury. And, you know, he was a very raw guy that played uh, two-way football here in the state of Mississippi that needed some time to develop. And I venture to say that he would have had a much better career had he not been injured. But, um, you know, the reality of it is is that, you know, a lot of times – you know, we have these guys that we all get so fired up about. It's, oh, he's going to be a game-breaker, going to change everything, and it just doesn't happen. You know, there is still the whole issue about, you know, predicting future human performance that remains very, very elusive. You just never know what's going to happen. What, you know, what happens when they, you know, they get on campus and they, they get their first college girlfriend and then everything is great, and the next thing you know, they break up and she's dating a friend or a teammate – and you got to deal with that stress and anxiety, and then you fail a test or you miss a study hall, and you get you know cursed at by your coach. You're at the bottom of the pile, and somebody steps on your hand. It better be about what you want at that point. It better be about what you wanted, because all those other people that are in your ear telling you, "Hey, well, you need to do this," they're not going to be around when all that's going on. They're not going to be around. It's got to be about what you want. And there are some kids out here from time to time that they get um, – you get people in their ears, you know, they don't have their best of intentions. I, I, somebody brought up Kalo Moore on our message board earlier today. Kalo Moore. Remember him? Was committed to Ole Miss, flipped to Mississippi State. State had a great plan for him offensively. We're going to do some big things with him. Knew how to utilize him. And then some, some people in his hometown saw a situation where – you know, they could get involved in this situation. And where is Caleb Moore now? Where is he now? He's probably back in Benoit, Mississippi. I don't know. But, you know, I liked Caleb Moore. I liked him not just as a player, but as a person. I didn't think he was the best back in the state that year. I thought Ashton Shumpert was. And Ashton Shumpert had a decent career at Mississippi State, but uh, did, not, you know, did not reach his full potential either. But Caleb Moore goes over there and becomes a cornerback. And, you know, just next thing you know, he's just another guy on the team. And so I go back and I think, you know, what about you, Mr. Hometown Guy? And that had so much to say. Where are you today? You going to give him a job? You going to be his reference? You going to go out there and network for him and try to get him a spot somewhere? The answer to that question is no. You know, usually people with bad character continue to have bad character it's difficult for that to change you know there has to be something traumatic and so it's like if i'm going to get involved with a young person's recruitment for my own gain and then i'm not you know vested in the outcome of of his career 
you know, why would I have any reason to change? And that's, that happens all over the play, all over the country. Not just in Mississippi. It happens everywhere. But I, I'm not going to mention a name. But there was a former Mississippi State player. And you can do the, your, your math on this. But, um, you know, there was a former Mississippi State player that never knew his dad. Never knew him. Wasn't involved in his life whatsoever until he became a recruit. And then some local Ole Miss people go dig up the guy, find out where he is. He's living out of state. They reintroduce him to the situation because they feel like they can manipulate the guy because they knew that obviously this guy didn't have a lot of character, right? Well, it backfired in a major way because the mom dug in her heels and was like, nope, not doing this. Not going to do this. Knew who was involved and everything else. And so I, I say all that to say this, is that you know, there, there are a lot of times out there that there are people involved in this process that have no business being involved in it. Zero. And this is really just more of a general commentary about recruiting than you know, specifically one player. You know, I just think there are some there are sometimes our fans is like, oh, I don't understand. How could a guy pick this school over that school? You know, sometimes it's not just about tuition and books. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes there's a lot more to it. There's a lot of layers to this thing. You know, that's the thing. You know, just I remember talking to Bridget Elliott. She said when the recruiting process started for Robert. She said, "You know what? I just thought that you know what they're going to have. Uh, <clears throat> they're going to have uh, all these offers, and then he's going to pick his school, and that'll be the end of it. And then she'd get a, uh, you know, a crash course in in-state recruiting. Had people showing up at her house during the dead period, pretending to be reporters from the Tupelo Daily Journal, trying to track Robert down because he had gone into hiding." After that happens, you know, Bridget Elliott packs up and goes to Houston to stay with her mom. Spooked her out. All over a two-way high school running back. But what happens is egos get involved, right? That's what happens. Egos get involved. Well, he was our kid. We can't let Mississippi State take him. Now, you may recall, too, Sylvester Groom goes up there to have the in-home visit, and there's Frank Wilson and um, Hugh Freeze and uh, – I can't. I guess Dan Werner sitting in there, and Ed Orsron had told them, "Do not leave the house." They were they were going to sit there through our in-home visit. Can you imagine how tacky? But Sylvester Croom and Robert's uncle outsmarted him. Robert goes out the back door and gets in the car with his uncle, and they had the in-home visit down at the uncle's house. And then Devin Elliott sitting at home there, and all of a sudden, Hugh Freeze and those guys figure out they've been had. They get on the phone, and I remember reading all the old Miss media reports. Oh, if Ed Orgeron would have been there, there'd have been trouble. Oh, there wouldn't have been. There wouldn't have been any trouble. Ed Orgeron would have got glad in the same pair of pants he got mad in. He wasn't going to do anything. But it's funny how life works. You know, it's never as simple as, okay, well, kids are just going to pick a school. I mean, for some of them, it is. But for the highly coveted, it doesn't work that way. Final segment of the show brought to you by Portico. You should move to Starkville. We need you here. I want you to be my neighbor. Come to Mr. Robertson's neighborhood. I wish I was living out there in Portico some days. I got this, I got this big lot, this big house, and this big lot out here, man, in the country. And my dogs have a chance to, uh, to kind of get out and run a little bit. But, um, but the reality of it is, is sometimes I wish I was closer to campus. And if you're moving to Starkville, chances are it's what you want to do. You want to be close to campus. You want to be near everything. Portico is 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus. You can run there. It's right there by the neighborhood market. It's very easy to get to. You turn off of 82 on the 12, the very first right. Boom. Pat Station Road will take you to Portico. You can start with a two-bedroom, two-bath, and go up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home. 
and live right here. Whether it be your primary residence or perhaps an investment property, maybe you're going to Airbnb it out, maybe you're going to you know, use it as a ballgame retreat weekend, maybe it's your second home, maybe it's your retirement home. Portico has a plan for you. Now, if you want to move there today, can't do it because everything in phase one is already purchased. We've already got a few lots in phase two that are purchased, and those folks not only picked their lots, but they picked their house plans. You can be involved in that process, too, and get exactly what you want. How cool is that? Reach out to our friend Brooks Bryan. Brooks is my friend, your friend, a friend of Mississippi State. Really, really great guy. Brooks is a uh, former Diamond Dog. If there is such a thing, I think Diamond Dogs live forever. That's just how I feel about it. But if you reach out to Brooks, he can give you some more information about making Portico your place. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. If I was moving to Starkville today, I would move to Portico. And that's not just advertising rhetoric. That's exactly what I would do. Because I, I, when I first moved here, I wanted to be kind of be out in the country and kind of be reclusive. But you know, when I make that trip to town every day, I'm thinking, man, I wish I lived closer. It would be nice to have the convenience of Starkville without having to make that drive every day. And so if you're like me, maybe you want to be closer to the action. So make Portico your next move. Okay, so speaking of that neighborhood market, I was in there a couple weeks ago. I'd left uh, media, media opportunity. Remembered I didn't have any dog food. Needed to stop there. And I usually go to big Walmart. So I'm rarely in the neighborhood market. But I was in there, and I had a boneyard listener that came up and said hello. And, uh, sir, I forget your name, and I apologize for that. I was in a hurry, and uh, we had a chance to visit for a little bit. And he said, you know, Steve, is there any chance you can get my friend Tom Good into the MSU Legends segment of your show? And I am happy to do that. There are so many people. You know, Tom Good was a legend at Mississippi State. Originally from West Point, Mississippi. Born in 1938, played center linebacker here at Mississippi State. I mean, it was a guy, listen, was involved in some really, really big things throughout his career. Here's one of the things I bet you don't know. He was a multi-sport letterman there at West Point High School. Point City, as Brandon says. Football, basketball, ran track. And he comes to Mississippi State on scholarship. Played center linebacker here, as you guys know. It was a three-time All-SEC selection and the school's first ever Kodak All-American in 1960. That's a pretty nice distinction. Played in the Blue-Gray game, also in the Senior Bowl, also the All-American game. You know, it's like he was the guy that everybody wanted to see. In addition to being the big man on campus, he was elected Mr. Mississippi State and eventually named the who's who in American colleges and universities. He was drafted twice by both the AFL and the NFL, drafted in the AFL in the second round by the Houston Oilers and by the Detroit Lions in the 17th round. Interesting how it all worked out. And so he goes with the Oilers of the AFL, played with them from 1962 to 1965 and then joined the Miami Dolphins 1966 to 1969, and then in 1970, his final year uh, with the Baltimore Colts. Now, what's interesting, too, is, uh, you know, we begin to look at all this stuff, and you see, so you know, the, these shining moments that people have. So here are some pretty cool things that happened to Tom Good when he was in the NFL. He was voted most valuable player 
on the Miami Dolphins team in 1967. Also, the most outstanding offensive lineman in 66 and 69, named to the Pro Bowl in 69. In his final season in 1970, he served as a long snapper and then snapped the game-winning field goal in Super Bowl V to give the Baltimore Colts the win. How cool is that? You had a bulldog out there doing the grunt work, man, for one of the biggest wins in Baltimore Colts history. That's a really, really cool thing. And so once it was all over with, once he was done playing, he went on and coached throughout every level of football. Coached the offensive line at Mississippi State, 72 to 75. Became the offensive coordinator for the Calgary Stampeders of the CFL. Ended up at Vandy for a while. Was the assistant head coach at Ole Miss from 78 to 82. 83, the offensive line coach at Alabama. And then eventually came back to Mississippi State to be our offensive line coach from 84 to 89. Went back to Vanderbilt in 90, and then eventually became the athletic director at East Mississippi Community College, where he served until 2003. Very interesting life, shall we say. And what's interesting, you know, there's a biography out there, maybe you can find it, entitled Guts, God, and the Super Bowl, written in 1974 by Zola Leavitt. It's a story of, of Tom Good. The last snap of his career earned him a Super Bowl ring. Former Bulldog wore number 19, wore number 68, excuse me. We lost Tom in 2015 at the age of 76. Died in his hometown of West Point, Mississippi. And so, Tom, and to you and your family, thank you for your contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. Wanted to honor you today. You were a part of some great things in your career. And you go back and begin to think about all the great things that he did and how wonderful his life would have been, you know, um, in many respects, if he had done anything. You know, this is a guy that was pretty multifaceted. He was good at all sports. He was very popular, loved by his teammates, loved by students, loved by his players. You don't ever run into anybody, anybody that knows Tom Goob that doesn't speak highly of him. And he's one of ours. So, Tom, again, Thank you to you and your family for your contributions to Mississippi State Athletics. All right, before we get out of here, let me remind you, dogpile the book. Let me give you an update on that. We've got proofs and that sort of stuff, and the printing process will begin, and the book will be out next month. We were, I was hoping to get it out late October. You know, I finished writing this thing at the end of August, so I did my part, right? And then the reality of it is, is the, um, you know, the supply chain slowed everything down with the printer. So... Everything's done on our part, and uh, we'll have an actual you know, delivery date here very soon. And so, again, you still got two months to Christmas, right? So if you're looking to put Dogpile the Book under the Christmas tree, go to dogpilethebook.com, and you can pre-order, and we will sign it and personalize it for you. It says if you want it personalized, there's a notes section for you to put it in there. But go check it out today. And while you're at Dogpile the Book, you can get copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. If you're looking for Blooms of Oleander, you can find it through your local bookstore or through Amazon, uh, booksandnoble.com, Barnes & Megan, Barnes & Megan, Books a Million and Barnes & Noble, if I can get it out. And then also, too, it's also available as an ebook, whether it be on Nook or through uh, Barnes & Noble. So if you're looking for that, maybe you don't buy books, maybe you just say, you know what, I'd love to read what you had to say, Steve. Uh, you can read it on your e-reader all right got a text from blair chandler during the show 
Blair just bought a Stark Villains hoodie because Blair is one of the cool kids. So if you want a Stark Villain hoodie and you should have one, you should probably have multiple Stark Villain hoodies. You go to StarkVillains.com and you can order t-shirts, hoodies, and any assortment of items in a variety of colors. Stark Villain shirts and merch at StarkVillains.com. All right, let's get out of here. Let's get out of here. I'm going to go enjoy some lunch at one of our local uh, eateries, and then uh, I'm going to get back and do some writing on Gene's page, and we're going to get ready for game day. And again, if you're looking for tickets, please go to the Mississippi State Ticket Office. And if you can't make the game and you just want to contribute to the cause, uh, do use that kids group code and then email those tickets so we can get those into the hands of young people in the greater Starkville area. That's going to do it for today. Thanks so much for your support of the Barnyard. Low these many years. Until next time. Let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.